You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, guys, welcome back to Here for the Truth podcast. Another amazing episode for you today. We have David Sutcliffe in the house. He was a former lead actor on the TV series, highly acclaimed TV series, Gilmore Girls, and since has left Hollywood um, and discovered a true life, meaningful calling down the path of um, a core energetics therapy, uh, integrating wholeness and helping others walk this path as well. This is an incredible conversation, an amazing hero's journey uh, that David has. And we really think that you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. Just before we dive into that, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, please hit that follow button, hit that like button. It would mean a lot to us. And also you will continue to get episodes delivered to you weekly by doing so as well. Enjoy this episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. Today, we have the incredible David Sutcliffe in the house. He is a somatic practitioner, certified in core energetics, trained at the Radical Aliveness Institute of Southern California and the Institute of Core Energetics in New York City. He's been leading groups, workshops, and trainings for 12 years. In 2008, he directed and produced the documentary series Group about a one-week radical aliveness retreat. In a former life, he was an actor best known for his role on the classic TV series Gilmore Girls, born and raised in Canada. He currently lives in Austin, Texas. David, thanks for being here for the truth. Happy to be here. Pleasure to have you, man. Dude, one way we like to kick this one off here, especially with first-time guests, is we want to dive into your personal hero's journey. Um, You can go back as far as you'd like. But we want to take a look at the major catalyzing transformative moments in your life that I guess really alchemized you into where you are now. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I have a typical story. You know, I, I got everything I wanted, realized I wasn't happy. Uh, I had a crisis, didn't know what was going on, and then figured it out. So I was- All right, uh, guys. Thanks for listening to you for the Truth <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same story everyone has. You know, we all have our own version of it. And mine was, yeah, I went to Hollywood, uh, was an actor, was successful, uh, had m- more success than I I ever imagined. Uh, television series and working in movies and running in circles, hanging out with famous people, bought a nice house, dating a movie star, the whole thing. I had it all. And uh was not happy for whatever reason and uh, didn't feel that I wanted to keep pursuing it. I, I just lost my mojo. And um, and then my girlfriend dumped me and uh, it just kind of spun me out of control for whatever reason. It was the first time I'd ever been dumped. And that was, huh. it brought, it, it just brought me down and I'd never had that experience before. And I knew it wasn't really about being dumped there were just that triggered this cascade of feeling that i'd been holding back i think for a lifetime and i'd been interested in therapy from the time i was in my mid-20s and and did a lot of therapy and um but a friend sent me up to this he said you got to go to this workshop at the esalen institute in big sur california and i went up there and just uh, worked with this woman ann bradney for a week and had a transformational experience and that was it I uh, I understood something about myself that I'd never understood before. 
and then became obsessed with with that idea that that, that we're controlled by our unconscious thoughts and feelings and emotions and all these things happened to us in childhood and they left a very powerful imprint on us and i was also shocked by the intensity of the emotion that was inside me so the work that i do uh cornergetics somatic psychotherapy it's very expressive so it's not just sitting around talking there's hitting there's punching there's kicking there's psychodrama it's intense and I was shocked at the level of rage that was inside me. And when I expressed it all where it took me in, into my pain and I was shocked at how much pain I had and, and the longing that was there. I didn't know that I'd been that hurt in my childhood. Um, my parents split when I was six. It, it, my childhood was, you know, it was fine. It wasn't like my mother was abusive, but, but things happened and uh, it had a, a huge impact on me. And um, and I guess once I understood that, um, I just wanted to go deeper and deeper and deeper and that it's really just becomes my, my life's work. I mean, that's all I'm interested in is, uh, going down, down, down inside and exploring what's there through many different modalities, uh, cornergetics. I've spent a lot of time with psychedelics and, you know, walking the red road, the path of Lakota. So this is what I do. This is what I'm into, um, psycho-spiritual work and, uh, and, and sharing it, sharing what I've learned, um, with the world. So that's, that's yeah. basically my story. Thank you for sharing the story. I mean, I, I definitely see some similarities. I mean, I, I moved to LA over 10 years ago after being in New York city for 10 years. Uh, I trained as an actor. I didn't get near the level of success uh, that you did. Uh, I didn't put too much focus in it because I was really into personal development. But uh, about a year into moving, uh, getting into LA, I uh, went through a breakup and uh, it was the first time I was ever <laughs> broken up with. And um, that was um, a major dark night of the soul for me. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd been into like personal development work and psychology for a long time, but this was a whole nother level of understanding. And that actually led me to a a mentor shortly after who was trained in traditional Chinese medicine and a lot of different bodywork modalities, really deep bodywork modalities. And it was uh, where I met my wife at a training and the rest is history. You know, I, I share the same kind of desire to uh, continue to explore the depths of who I am and, and to support people on that path as well. So thanks for sharing all that. And it definitely deeply resonates. That's amazing. That's a great story too. Mm. <laughs> David, what drew you into acting initially? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I was an athlete and in high school, uh, I, I was very good at reading out loud in class. And so the drama mm -hmm. teachers would say, you know, you should audition for the school play. We'd love to have you. And I was a jock. So I was like, I can't, I got basketball practice. But when I got to university, I went to University of Toronto. Uh, I was playing basketball there and I got injured and I was living with a guy who was a, a, a playwright. He won some playwriting contests and he was going to produce this play. And now I suddenly had all of this time. So I said, hey, is there a way that I can help out, like do the lights or something? And he said, why don't you audition? And uh, I was like, okay. And I'd had that affirmation previously that perhaps I had a talent for this. And um, he gave me a little part and that was it. I, I you know, the, it was just, to me, it was just like sports. You know, you you practice, you rehearse, and then there's the game and then there's the, the performance. So mm -hmm. the muscle was there and it was exhilarating. It was exciting. And uh, 
and I just kept following it. It, it. I didn't grow up dreaming about being an actor. Uh, it wasn't until I got to university that I started thinking about it. And even then it was, can I really do this? Is this, is this something that I could mm -hmm. do that people do? It didn't seem real, but I kept getting little parts here and there and, and, and people reflecting back to me that I had some talent. So it was just one step at a time. Um, but you know, I loved it. It was the performance element of it, the, the, the meeting interesting people, that whole, you know, that world is just, it's very dynamic and, yeah. and wild. And it was so different than anything that I'd experienced before. And you, of course, I'm a young man and it's lots of pretty girls who are actresses. And so that was a big part of it. Um, but then I got to LA and, it, you know, it was great when I first got there, but uh, it's a business. It's, and I was into it for a while, but, um, I remember being on the Warner Brothers lot, working on Gilmore Girls and having this distinct feeling that I was working at a factory, mm -hmm. that this studio was just a factory that was producing product. And I was just one person, a well-paid person. Mm -hmm. And it, it gave me a lot of social status, but nevertheless, I was still working as a uh, at a factory and I was just like on the assembly line. It just happened to be an actor and that that shifted something in inside me it suddenly didn't feel so romantic and exciting and uh yeah i was i'm, I'm working for a corporation working a machine I'm working i'm working for the man you know yeah and all of that reality started to to sink in and just wasn't in line with i think deep part of my character which is you know i want to be i want to be sovereign i want to be free i want to work for myself i don't want to be tied down to anything so uh, but it was a lot of fun while it lasted. Mm -hmm. Was there like, um, obviously you're into core energetics now and body psychotherapy and like accessing like deeper parts of yourself. Was any of that kind of psychological growth offered through the container of acting as well? Because I know often Erasmus speaks about, you know, the psychology of acting and having to access different parts of ourselves to to perform in in certain ways. What was your experience in that regard? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of acting training feels like therapy uh -huh. um the meisner work that i did when i got actually when i got to la there's a great class in la um sandy marshall it was a meisner class which is basically teaching you presence mm -hmm. um and I, I man i learned a lot from that class and went to some really deep places it was very therapeutic very cathartic um you're exposed you're vulnerable you're out there for everybody to see um, and learning to tolerate that, I think, is a very, very powerful thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, we all want that. That's why we love actors. We, we revere them because there is a courage that it takes to put yourself out there like that and let yourself be seen in your raw more emotions. And and you know that the realer and rawer you can be, the more compelling you're going to be. So that that's the game. How how real real can I get? Uh, how authentic can I be? And so you you end up coming up against the limits of yourself in that process. You learn about yourself. You learn you learn where you're stuck. You learn where you're not emotionally free. So th that's why a lot of actors go to therapy because it, you need to be not just emotionally expressive, but uh, understand and connected to all the aspects of you. The the light, the dark, all of it. And um, 
you know, that's not an easy thing to do. So, uh, but they're very, very correlated from my, from my uh, experience. And uh, I learned a lot about myself through acting. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that's what, that's what I fell in love with ultimately. And I came to a realization that I was like, I really care about the personal development element of it more so than the right. actual, the business and going through the motions and driving around town all day. Like I loved getting to know myself. My first mentor in New York city was, he had psychologists on his staff and I was like, and they did parts work. And I was like, Whoa, this is incredible. Like there's more to me than just the, the, you know, the personality that was kind of like structured because of, you know, approved behaviors or disapproved mm -hmm. behaviors growing up in a family and a culture and society. And so I love diving into the darkness. I loved like tapping into these parts of me and then using them to tell stories. But then the the byproduct was I just felt more whole and integrated mm -hmm. and, it, and it felt more dynamic and fun. And But I think over time I realized like I wanted to do more of that because I also had a little bit of that, like you said, like, oh yeah, there's attractive girls and um, you know maybe I might get a little well-known and make some money and then have a platform and then help people. And then one day I woke up and I went, well, I could just help people or I could just I could just like do the things that I'm interested in and support people as opposed to, no, I have to make the money and I have to be on the, the television show and I have to be famous. And then I can share my gifts with the world. Like mm -hmm. it was this weird thing that was going on. I mean, I just had this kind of light bulb moment. I mean, there's other things involved as well, but I love the personal development aspect of it. To use pieces of you to tell stories was something I really enjoyed, mm. but it just didn't, um, yeah, it just wasn't the ultimate for me personally. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. I, I it, when I discovered core energetics and, and particularly the radical liveness model that Ann Bradney teaches, who you know became my teacher, uh, I was like, "This is what I'm looking for. This is what I was looking for in, in through the acting. It was mm -hmm. yeah, full expression and 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 free to explore." And um, so that's that's ultimately why I made that transition, mm -hmm. just because it was it was more alive for yeah. me. Can you talk a little bit about like radical aliveness? Yeah. Well, so um, Ann Bradney was a, a teacher at the Core Energetics Institute in New York. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a somatic, some cores of somatic psychotherapy, but it, they would, it was traditionally done one on one, or if you did it in groups, um, you would do one person at a time. And what she started to find is that, you know, one person would be working, but another person would be activated. And instead of waiting for that person's turn, she'd like invite them up. And suddenly it turned into this whole group process where nobody was holding back anything. And which obviously takes you into chaos. But what she discovered is that if you let everybody go into chaos, um, new things emerge a kind of a, a, a group intelligence wakes up and if you if everybody follows their impulse something magical uh will happen and i think intuitively we know that you know and i and i think that's actually how life works it, um there's there is some kind of collective consciousness that's guiding everything and and the more we feed into that collective consciousness um the more wisdom or intelligence um can emerge and so she just started teaching that. And um, it, the the invitation, again, was to don't hold back, which is, you know, an amazing invitation. You come into a room and all you're thinking about is like, what what do I hold back? Where am I holding back? Why am I holding back? What would happen if I didn't hold back? 
What does it look? What does that even look like? What does that mean? And, uh, but you just take risk after risk after risk. And I think most of us, hold, all of us hold back and it's painful to hold back. We hold back because we're afraid. We hold back because we learned that those aspects of ourself uh, were not welcome or or they weren't weren't safe to feel or express them. And so this was a, a place where we, we could just let it all go, including all the darkness, right? It wasn't all love and light. It was like you could bring out the depth of your darkness into the into the room, your cruelty, your, you know, your fuck you, whatever it was. And it could be held. And I, I loved it because I, I was, you know, I was a good boy. And so all of a sudden I had this permission to just not be nice. And then to see that my not being nice somehow would serve the room. Like it would provoke something in somebody else and it would take them to their pain. And then that would lead over here to something somebody else was doing and it just became this um, pattern that would unfold in magical ways. And if you could just stay in it and follow it, uh, trust it, stay present with it, it would always resolve itself uh, and in, in, in into something unexpected and beautiful, which is really what art is. You know, that's if you're playing a scene or you're or writing a song or you're writing a script. Um, you have an idea of of what it is, but you want to be surprised along the way. It should surprise you. Great art, you you because you you're tapping into the unconscious, and so something wants to pour out of you. But you have to give yourself permission to let go of the structure, to enter into the chaos, follow that flow, and see where it takes you. And I felt like that work, the radical liveness, was practice for that, and. I love it. I, I just, I just fell in love with it and it was endless, right? Like the, it was just, it was endlessly creative and each group was different. Each group, you could explore whatever it is you wanted and new and interesting things would unfold every time. It takes, it takes courage to give yourself permission to enter the chaos though. That for that first step. Mm. Well, that, yeah. And the, and, and learning to tolerate chaos was, I think, one of the great lessons from that school, because most of us want to avoid chaos. I mean, you know, control is the enemy of creativity. It's, it's really the control of life. And you, there is no change without chaos. You have to go into it. You have to go into the unknown. And there is, there isn't, it's not truly chaos. It's just, you might call it a reordering, right? But things, think you need to lose control and, but there is a cohesion. There is an intelligence in there if you can find it, and it will bring itself back to unity. And I, I the irony is, I do a lot of work with the uh, the Lakota people, Native Americans, and Sweat Lodge and Sundance and Vision Quests, and they have their own version of that. There's a lot of chaos that they work with, and it doesn't really make any sense. Like there's a lot of things that are happening that feel illogical, um, and. But at the end of these ceremonies, it kind of all comes together and somehow makes sense. And I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's what life is. And I, so I think these are these, in some way, are models for life. Uh, practice for that. Practice learning to tolerate and exist in and stay present with the chaos, the madness, the irrationality the rage, the pain, 
all of the things that we experience in life that we we we, we want it to be something other than what it is. Generally, we want to control it. Yeah, um, we're searching for uh, some kind of uh, utopia and and believing that we can get there. And I I think that's wrong. I think life is uh, it's beautiful, but it's it's fucking madness. Yeah. Um. And can I hold that? Can I yeah. hold all of that? And I. For, so for me, radical liveness is really a, a practice of that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you notice is the difference between one-on-one work and group work? Um. I think group work's more powerful. Uh. Because all your people are are in the group. Meaning. Uh, your mother's in the group, your father's in the group, you know, the, the girl who dumped you is in the group, your brother who was a bully is there. Like they, they're obviously not literally there, but they're there as symbols and they, and they begin to emerge. So uh, if you're in a group, uh, you're going to get ultimately get triggered by people. And those triggers are are really um, their pathways into uh, deeper aspects of ourself. And so when you can explore those directly um, it's, it's, it's much more alive because most of our problems are relational. Uh, we got hurt in relationship, uh, with our parents generally, and we're going to heal through a relationship. And, um, and so groups really give you that opportunity. Now in one-on-one therapy, there's also a relationship mm-hmm. happening, but as a facilitator, from my point of view, it's much more interesting for me to be able to step back and hold the container while I let the group participants sort of have it out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I can stay a little bit more neutral. And so I find it more, more dynamic, more alive. I think there's a lot of value to, to one-on-one and I do work with people one-on-one, um, you know, and, and sometimes people need to uh, work slower Things need to be slowed down for them because groups can can move quickly mm-hmm. and and so if you, they're not they're not right for everybody, but the opportunities that exist uh, in a group, um, I think once I, once I discovered groups, uh, that was the end of one on one therapy for me. I was like, no, I just want to be at groups all the time. Yeah, it's it's a unique constellation of energies, you know, that are so. It's like uh, every group you're in, like you said earlier, it's never it's never going to happen again. Like you're never going to be right. in that exact group with that constellation of human souls and beings and personalities. And I think that's something that makes it so sacred too. like even putting your attention on that, like this, this collection, this gathering of people will never happen again in this way. And I, I try to kind of apply that to even any group I'm in or any any situation. Like it's very unique and it's 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 special. And I think in a in a more group therapeutics um, setting, being witnessed in your healing and your alchemizing and transformation is extremely extremely powerful. To yes. be held to that degree is something that I think can like um, just super. I don't want to say supercharge, but really advance um, a, a healing process within you. Sometimes, maybe not all the time. But. Yeah, no, I agree. Being witness is a big part of it. Um, also, seeing other people, seeing yourself in other people. So not just your triggers, but somebody will reveal some aspect of their self and it'll it'll evoke something in you. It'll make you realize something about yourself. So, um, but yeah, the, the the being witnessed is is I think one of the most powerful things, you know, because we hide a lot. We hold back a lot. Mm-hmm. We have shame. And there's aspects of herself that we do not want to be seen. 
and ha- watching somebody in real time have an experience of letting themselves be seen in a way that they never have before. Uh, you, I mean, you can see the healing right in mm-hmm. front of you. You mm-hmm. can see their whole orientation to themselves and to life changed because they had an image. Obviously, they're hiding it for a reason. If I show this aspect of myself, something bad is is going to happen. I'm going to lose connection. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be judged. Uh, but inevitably, they have the opposite experience because, of course, the more willing we are to be vulnerable and reveal our true selves, whatever that may be, um, the more connection we bring to ourselves because authenticity and vulnerability is incredibly compelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the most powerful elements of cinema too. You know, that moment when there's like, it's almost like being in the center between vulnerability and something else where there's like the highlights of cinema where you're holding almost, you're in the tension of opposites, but there's vulnerability coming through. And those are like, oh man, those moments yeah. where you're just like, ugh. You know, um, but yeah, and to be able to re- reveal yourself and then not have the things that probably happened when you were a kid happen, whether it's getting slapped across the face or yelled at because you expressed yourself or you honored an impulse and then here you are doing it and then people are there holding space for you. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing to witness for sure. Yeah, beautiful. I think it was Jung, it was Jung that said, in all chaos, there is cosmos, in all disorder, there is a secret order. mm and uh, you know this this chaos that that we're talking about, like to me, that's what the authentic path is in life, and that's a theme we often discuss on this podcast. But like, when you're truly living authentically and like living through your own inner impulses and your own intuition and navigating life through your own inner compass, not the outsourced conditioned compass, life, you know, is is not pre prepaved for you. You know, each mm-hmm. each each step is brand new. Um, it's very hard to predict the way things are going to unfold as as opposed to, you know, what I would call the inauthentic path where we kind of have a have a brief idea of the way life's going to unfold in terms of the highways of life. We go to school, we go to college, we get the job, we get the retirement, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's this relationship between chaos and authenticity, but within that chaos, in trusting it, there's actually a, a secret, beautiful order that exists for those who dare to actually walk that path. I think that's right. And that's what I discovered in radical liveness and what I've discovered in working with the Lakota people. It it it's it's hard to to name it, like put your finger on it, but it's 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 a feeling. Hmm. And there is a thread in there and you can find it. Like I mean, usually when we lose control or I'm out of control or I'm struggling with something and feeling down, whatever it is, if I get centered and grounded, like I can find the thread. And usually it's in that moment, life is asking something of me that is scary for me, or there's something there that I don't want to face or feel. Mm -hmm. And so it's always an opportunity for, for growth. And then maybe that is the thread. Maybe that is where the, the gold is, so to speak. Yeah. It's like, there's always more potential on the other side of our our wanting to control. You yeah. Know? There's always a there's always an uncomfortable leap that's that's yeah. there waiting for us. And I think we're 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 coming out of something. I mean the you know the the age of rationality and and really um 
science and 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 this kind of masculine perspective on the world, which is which is great, but I think something has been lost, and I, maybe maybe that's what I've been in search of the 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 magical, the mysterious, the the intuitive um, God. You know, there's some there's something else happening that's uh, some intelligence at play that is guiding all of this. And if I can tune into that, surrender to that, let go of control, trust what it is, hmm. um, it's going to lead me to magical places. I don't know where from moment to moment, day to day, but if I can just let go and and trust that that's going to be an amazing adventure as opposed to, you know, planning out my life five, 10 year plan, which, which, which is also fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's, I've chosen to live my life for better, for worse yeah. in, in, in a different way. I, 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 and I remember the moment when I decided I was going to surrender to my intuition for better, or for worse. And uh, I and I've lived my life that way as as best I can ever since. Yeah, well, I, I mean, both both are built into nature, right? Like the the chaos and the order, the masculine and the feminine. You know, um, and you're right. Maybe we've just been a little bit out of balance, and it's time to kind of invite the the mythic back into our lives. I think so. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of people like doing what you guys are doing and getting into self-development and going to ayahuasca ceremonies or or going to sweat lodges or meditating, whatever it may Mm -hmm. be, there is some yearning for uh, meeting life in in a different way uh, to explore something deeper and, and to know that there's, there's gifts in there. There's actually, there's intelligence in there. There's wisdom and that we can trust that it's not, it, 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 to not be a slave to the mind, really. Yeah. But you know what's interesting when I consider that even on, a, on, on another level, like those those two parts, like the, the order and the disorder actually is rational. Right. You can exactly. you consider yes, it exactly. from the macro mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. 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 It's, it is, it's exactly that. The, you know, the, the, with the Lakota, it's, it's so interesting. You know, I've been about six, seven years now. Um, they developed what I would say is a technology. Mm-hmm. Like the sweat lodge is a technology. Vision Quest is a technology. Like if you do all these things in this way, you're going to have an this experience, and that experience is going to give you a kind of wisdom and intelligence. And it's not the wisdom and intelligence you're going to get from going to Harvard and studying STEM. But it's something else. And there's, and you know, the, the Buddhists have this too. It's like if you do all these meditations in this particular way over time, you're going to have these, these different Satori experiences. But there, there's, there are actual technologies uh, that can lead you to this, uh, this deeper wisdom. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is that is, that is the, the merging of the masculine and the feminine, right? Mm-hmm. The, the technology is essentially, the masculine, the order, the structure that's bringing you into contact with this mysteriousness, this intelligence, God, however you want to think about it. Yeah. What are the most common ways in which you think people hold back? Well, I, I, 
what people hold back the most is their love. I mean, that's at the core of everything. Mm-hmm. And there now there's layers on top of that. But if you think of a time in your life where you felt, you know, wide open, just in love with everything, in love with the world, um, there's it's I think it's the most powerful place that we can be in. Uh, where your heart is just wide open and you're just sort of giving of yourself. It's also extraordinarily vulnerable. And most of us have been hurt in that place. We're defended against having our heart wide open. We're actually told that it's not safe. And and certainly I think it's it's important to um uh protect ourselves in, in conscious ways against it's against getting hurt. But I think that's at like that, that's what I've realized. Like, what do people hold back? They hold back their power, they hold back their greatness, they hold back their gifts, they hold back their love. We think that the, it's their shadow. We hold back the part of us that's, that can be mean or cruel. We don't want people to see that judgmental, um, violent, whatever it may be, or or the part of us that longs for power. You know, all of the sins. We we don't want the world to see that. But um, in my experience, it once you unravel that, um, and it takes you to the pain that's underneath it, then what comes out is is this this higher self aspect of you. And there's a great Pathwork lecture. Um, and Pathwork is uh, it's a series of channeled lectures that informs uh, core energetics. It's it's sort of the psycho-spiritual foundation of the work. And there's a lecture called Shame of the Higher Self. And which I think is a, a beautiful concept, right? That, that our greatest shame is is not about our our darkness it's really it's really about our light that 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 is the most vulnerable thing and that that happens in my workshops i mean you you ask somebody to you know confess their sins so to speak and and they'll do that they'll they'll go into their shadow they'll talk about the mistakes they've made or the ways that they've hurt other people or themselves the way they've been addicted to certain things acted out they'll go there but ask them to talk about their gifts or you know how powerful they are or or what they want to give in life and that is a lot edgier for people mm. do do you think they're more ashamed of not living up to their potential than anything else i i think there's that but i i i think that um children if you you know they're wide open yeah they're just wide open and they're they they want to love i mean children just want to love and they want to give love, they want to receive love, and there's a, a purity and an innocence to that. And I think it's very hard for parents and the society to actually uh, tolerate that. Um, it's almost overwhelming to them. So I think, it, and I'm not, it's not necessarily in a cruel way, but unconsciously, we shut them down. Mm-hmm. Like we we encourage them to close off. Like it's not safe to be that open. And so the message I think a lot of us got as children was like, don't don't be vulnerable, don't be wide open, um, and 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 that your love is you have to protect it. Like you have to protect your heart. You it's it's not okay to just like be 
open and 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 loving and it, it, obviously that message isn't coming directly but it's coming sort of indirectly through the parents inability to be with receive uh the child's love and i think so conclusions are drawn that it's it's it's, it's essentially not safe yeah do you think it's because the parents don't feel safe to be with their own love that's exactly right mm-hmm. yeah it's just passed down do you think yeah. also too? You mentioned the shadow before and the dark elements, but would you include in the shadow our potential that we haven't lived yet, that we haven't yeah. developed? Um, and it, I, I guess in my in my mind, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. It's about choice ultimately, because I don't think it's safe to be 100 percent vulnerable all the time with all people. You know, like to be a ch- child or so children are so vulnerable. Yes, yeah. they have some protection from parents for sure. But but like it's like, hey, listen, my my intuition is, is saying, hey, I can open up right now and I have the capability to do that. Yeah. Or hey, with this person, you know, maybe I'm gonna keep some things to the vest and other right. parts might be present. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, when we're doing it consciously, there's no problem. It's when we're yeah, yeah. it's unconscious, right? And I think that's what happens for children. It's like they they get a lot of mixed messages. And they're they're modeling their parents' behavior. So if you have a parent that's completely closed off, the yeah. child is gonna learn that that's how they need to behave. So I, I agree. We need to protect ourselves. We need to have boundaries. I don't think people should, you know, get online or, or open up to everybody all the time. I don't. I don't think that's a good idea, right? But we want to know that we're making a choice. And you know, I remember the story that I tell is, um, you know, uh, when I get into me, and my lady, when we get into scraps, she's ready to make up usually before I am. Although that's changed a little bit. It takes me a day or two, you know, to, to or a couple hours at the very least. And so we get into bed and she wants to snuggle. And I'm always like, I need just give me some time. I'm still cooling down. And I at one of those moments I felt like this is what's going on for me? What's it, it's over? Um, why can't you reconnect? And so I closed my eyes and I I felt into my body and I got this very powerful image of a dragon over my heart and it was protecting my heart. And I thought, okay, yeah. Well, when did this start? I wonder when did this dragon appear in my heart? And, um, and then I went, I got into this dialogue with the dragon. I said, okay, you know, how do I convince this dragon that it's safe to let down that he no longer needs to be on guard? Um, that's a difficult conversation to have because that's the dragon's whole job. Mm-hmm. Its whole identity is wrapped up in protecting my heart. And so obviously the dragon is representing some aspect of me and it's it was hard for me to let that go um, because I was so identified with it and because it felt good. It feels good to protect, right? It feels good to be ferocious. It feels good to say, stay the fuck away from me. It feels good to say no. Mm. There's a, a kind of empowerment to it, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the decision I think most children make in, in a time when they felt helpless and vulnerable. Uh, the only the way to regain some kind of power and authority was to say no. So if you don't see my heart, okay, fine. Then I'm never going to fucking open my heart. I'm never going to show my heart. I'm going to keep my heart protected. Well, that gives me some sense of control back. And uh I, you know, I realized that this is what what I was doing with my lady. And I and I I I thought, okay, what I need to do here with this dragon to convince it uh to stand down, I need to give it a new job. 
I need to direct that energy into something creative and productive. I'm an adult man. I'm not a four-year-old child. I don't need protecting that way. And um, so let's use this energy, which was a lot of fucking energy. I mean, dragon, you know, that's that's a powerful <laughs> beast, mm-hmm. right? Like, can I use this energy inside me to 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 create, to build? And and I and I I, I literally was in dialogue with myself, and I could see the dragon start to get excited about that. And so, you know, that's just a, a, a metaphor for, I think, what's, what's going on inside a lot of us uh, in different ways. Now, a short break from the episode. A brief interruption to let you know about our amazing membership community, Friends of the Truth. This is where all our podcast listeners uh, converge to gain a deeper connection with us, with each other, and also get access to amazing benefits including six live calls a month, a community call, um, a personalized members-only live podcast and Q&A, an astrology update, a nervous system tune-up, a German new medicine study group, a live teaching. And what we think is the most valuable is the incredible topic-based Telegram community where people connect, um, You know, a lot of laughs are shared, a lot of vulnerability, and a lot of amazing insights and knowledge can be gleaned from the value that is the community base that we have built, filled with amazing members. We'd love to have you in there. And plus you get access to all previously recorded calls, which is over 50 hours now. So for only $39 a month, it's incredible value, or it's even lower on an annual plan, it's $29 a month. Come connect with us. You don't have to walk this path alone. Um, There's a lot to be had by being within community and we have created a huge monthly calendar for you to connect and interact with as well. Back to the episode. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing men in today's world? Not to become cynical. I mean, it's just, there's so much anti-male sentiment out there um, that's insane Mm -hmm. and offensive and ridiculous and, um, and it's real and it, it, I think it's easy for men to become cynical and just check out like, fuck it, fuck the world, fuck women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's the most dangerous thing. Um, I think it's hard to be a man. I think that um, part of what it means to be a man is that you're, you're not always seen. You're not always recognized. You're not always appreciated. Um, and, I think when you don't feel seen or recognized or appreciated, it's easy to succumb to resentment and bitterness. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really just men have to stay the course in some sense. Um, I think it's important for men to be around other men. I think we've lost that. I mean, look, look, look the evolution that's happened over the last however many years was necessary. Um, but, uh, you know, like like most things in life, there it feels to me like there was an overcorrection. Um, so I think it's just in, incumbent on men to take responsibility for themselves and, and, and for each other and, uh, continue to, um, do, I think there's the opportunity to do deeper work, to understand themselves emotionally, that, that, that we're kind of out of survival mode in, in some sense as a species. I mean, you know, for, for most of, you know, uh, the time human beings have been on the planet, we just, trying to get by 
you're not thinking about how you feel. How you feel is fucking irrelevant. You don't have time to consider it. But now we have this time and space to to go deeper inside ourselves. And so I think men, and, and a lot of men are doing that work. And I, th I think it's really powerful. Um, but to, I guess just to, you know, like hold the line, you know, and, and, um, uh, stay on point, stay on mission. I, I, I personally feel like, you know, men are, men are the protectors and, um, they, d even when they're not seen or recognized, or even when men are demonized, they have to keep showing up because that's, that's their responsibility as men. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's one answer I could give. I'm sure of mm -hmm. many. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I know you got the chance to sit down with Andrew Tate in Romania for a very popular interview um, that I've seen going around. Um, why do you think Andrew Tate's message is so popular among young men? I think he's giving voice to what a lot of men feel and haven't been able to say or articulate with the authority and power that he does. Um, there's something <laughs> that feels good to me about a guy saying, you know, it's on you. Get to fucking work. That's it. Yeah. You got to be fit. Take care of business. Um, provide for your family. Figure it out. Nobody's coming to save you. It feels true. There's like a deep truth in that. Now, is he on the extreme pole of, of that? Yes. Mm. But maybe that's what was necessary. Maybe we needed that kind of extreme figure to come in and point to something so that we could see it. So I'm I'm listen, I'm he's a complicated guy. Mm. Um, certainly, and there's a lot of strong opinions about him and uh, but I, I appreciate his message. I appreciate his vulnerability. He puts himself out there. He says what he thinks. You know, whether you like it or not, whether you feel like he's distorted in the things he's saying or not, um, he's not afraid to say that. And I think that takes courage. Mm -hmm. And um, I think people are also responding to that. He's also very funny and intelligent and and entertaining and i think he understands the game that we're all playing right now and i think he's playing that game um but i think men are and he's, he he presents himself in some way like a real life superhero uh, and in some way he is i mean he's a legitimate you know fighter world champion and uh lives a pretty interesting life and I think men need role models. And I certainly didn't have very many good role models growing up. Well, my, my father wasn't around. But even when I look at the culture, like I, I guess I grew up with like Clint Eastwood was sort of the man mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And maybe there were others. But now, I mean, in, in Hollywood, it's like George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio. These are man whores. And I'm not, they're incredibly talented, but. I don't know. Do they have a lot of? They're not. It's not like Cary Grant mm -hmm. or uh, Gary Cooper back in the day. Like these men were were dignified and humble. And so, not that I'm saying you know Tate is, I guess, his own <laughs> man whore. But I don't know. He stands for something that, and I think it's the energy. It's there's a, there's a resonance there. Um, 
And I think he also, I think he understands like the role of men in the culture and speaks to it. Uh, and I think that's, it's important. It's an important message. I mean, in some way he and Jordan Peterson are saying a lot of the same things. Get your shit together and get to work. You know, they obviously say it in different ways and there's a lot more, you know, maybe Jordan Peterson has a lot more nuance in some way, but, but ultimately, I mean, those are the two guys who are getting the most attention in terms of, um, you know, men coming to them. And I see a lot of similarities in the, in their message. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say like the message, get your shit together. Do you think they're getting their shit? Like, I mean, do you think Tate's getting his shit together in terms of grappling with his shadow? Well, he sat down with me for two and a half hours and he um, asked me to come. So there's, you know what I mean? True. Like yeah. he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, he wanted it. So yeah. he's, 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 he's open. Yep. Um, we'll see that maybe there, it's more, I mean, everybody's on their own path. Everybody's on their own journey and sure. everyone's got their own karma. Um, everyone's got work to do. Oh yeah. And so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, obviously I have a bias there. I, I, of course I want to see him go deeper into his shadow and, and understand himself. And the argument I think that I made in the interview was because you'll be more effective. That yeah. will give you more power. Like the thing that you want is power. Well, I'm, I'm I, this will give you a lot more power. Now, yeah. you know, that you, you can't know that until you're there. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to the mind. It wouldn't have made sense to me if somebody had said that to me 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So but you you only think, know I, it on the other side. Yeah, and I think what you said before about the overcorrection, like sometimes you need someone really extreme to come in to highlight things because people tend to sometimes yo-yo even in their personal development where they just like, they're a certain way and they're like, no, I need to just totally embody this other part. Right. And then very often they come, then over time they come back to a little bit more of that healthy balance where they have access to both sides. That's right. And I think people like this sh showcase it in the collective mm -hmm. and then each individual then has to go on their journey. So these young kids that are drawn to them, you know, that maybe have been overly feminized now become overly masculinized. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. through their own process, they go, okay, well maybe I need to, you know, uh, yeah. be, you know, have be in the center a little bit and have more choice and a, a more expanded consciousness instead of just like, you know, this yo-yo effect that happens. Well, and I think there's a belief that everybody who follows Tate thinks exactly like yeah, him. Sure. And when I read the comments, there's a, the guys know what's going on. Yeah, there are some yeah. of those characters. Tate's the man. Yeah, this therapist yeah. is a dummy. Yeah. You know, like that kind of stuff. But a lot of uh, people get it. They get yeah. they get who he is. They see him and they they take the stuff they like and the rest of it, they're like, eh. Well, that, and that's, I think that's so important because we're living this world now, especially with social media, where there's so much of this, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Like you, you like this person that you're into, they say one thing you, you don't like, and you're like, you're canceled. I'm unfollowing you. I'm telling everybody I know that this person's a misogynist, a horrible human being. You shouldn't listen to anything they say. Like people are just losing this, like this fluidity within themselves and this yeah. expansion within themselves to just and trust within themselves and discernment to go, oh, wow, that, I really resonate with that. Like I can mm -hmm. apply that into my life. That other thing he said, hey, I'm not into that, but that's cool. Like I like what he's doing in that one regard. You know, yeah. like I, I just, it's really interesting. I'm observing it more and more online with things happening in the world too. There's like this lack of nuance. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot of pressure to conform to certain kinds of beliefs, and 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 if you look at somebody like Tate, um, they put you in a camp. Like I'm in a camp now. Like that that's it that I can't get out of, and and I'm fine with that. I mean, I made that choice. Um, and I, I, I there are certain people that that they don't like Tate, but they see the nuance. I mean, I have female clients, right? And they're just like they fucking despise the guy, but but they're like they they know me and so they they know that I'm up to something and so maybe they they actually give him a look but there's certain mm-hmm. people that you know whether it's Trump or or Tate or whoever or whatever side of this conflict you're on like you're done you're out you're you're and I, I got to the point where I'm like I don't care I don't like if that's how you think I don't need you in my life I'm not I can't cater to that I'm going to stop trying to convince people of anything and it goes back to what it what it is to be a man it's like i'm gonna hold on to myself not concern myself whether i'm seen or understood or appreciated or even demonized like okay you want to demonize me that's fine and lots of people demonize me and uh, it was painful at first but now i'm like it's, it's it's just it's just your own projection it's your own misunderstanding and uh you know it, it i've learned to let it uh just kind of roll off my back yeah, uh, man, I personally had no idea you would have relate. You would have received that level of backlash simply from that. It was more my support of Trump. I voted uh-huh. for Trump twice. Yeah, okay. uh, gotcha. Got yeah. Got so by the time I got to Tate, people were already like, "It's fucking, <laughs> it's fucking crazy." Yeah, fuck that dude. They you know. You, yeah, they put you in a yeah, basket. Yeah, and people, in their mind. people couldn't understand. I mean, I tried to explain to people. I was just like. I want the bull in the china shop. That's it. That's it. That's why I want this. I want this guy to fuck everything up, <laughs> and because uh, this system is obviously corrupt, yeah. and it wasn't about his policies per se. It was just like just the energy of of turning things over. I've, I we needed to go into chaos, which I guess is where we are. So it's all working out. <laughs> but you know, people were so attached to that they just they attached to their own negative feelings about him. They were just completely unwilling to yeah. uh, uh, hear what I had to say, yeah. which to they're, me was incredibly rational. Yeah, they're they're they're, con- they're conditioned feelings about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I know you've made a post about this. So I want to ask you what is the what is the matrix? Everyone seems to want to escape from the matrix and yeah. Use the matrix as a context to describe, you know, things that are happening right now. Can you speak to that? Well, I guess it's it's any ideas or beliefs that were we are attached to that um, keep us from being free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's inside our own mind. That's where the matrix lives, and it's our uh, unconscious generally. Uh, belief systems uh, which inform our identity, um, which is really about our ego um, that keeps us, uh, yeah, trapped in 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 a paradigm and in, in in a pattern. And so, uh, the only way to get free of the matrix is 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 to be with God, like and and to be in a space of love. Now, that's not something I think that. You can walk around with twenty four seven, but I I think you want to be an ac- like connection to and have access to that as much as much as possible. But it's you know it's it's bitterness, it's anger, it's frustration, it's trying to figure things out. 
trying to make sense of everything. It's control. All of that to me is the matrix. It's our fear. It's our shame. It's our unresolved pain. And the powers that be understand that and they 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 play off that. You 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 can control people through their fear. It's very, very easy to control and manipulate people through fear. And you can blame them for doing it. Um, or you can take responsibility for the way that you are um, enabling that manipulation yeah. to happen. It's on you, right? Yeah. Like it's like if you're being if you can be manipulated, then I guess you must want to be manipulated. If you're getting betrayed, then some part of you is betraying yourself. It always comes back to you. In any place where you're in judgment or blame, you are in the matrix. Uh, so it's it's complete and utter self responsibility um, for your own sovereignty and freedom. That's that's how you get out of the matrix. Yeah, it's easy to want to blame they, them, everyone out there, you know, and instead of really looking in the mirror and going, "What role am I playing in this?" It's like the master slave dynamic. There would be no masters if we didn't make ourselves slaves to some degree. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's enticing. And it's not like those arguments aren't true. It's like, well, no, but the media does this and the elites and they're doing this and we're, you know, all that's all lies. It's like, yeah, yeah. But you know, you, if you're giving your attention to that, you're, you're feeding into it in, mm -hmm. in some way. And you're, this is always the way it's been. It's never going to change yeah. or maybe, maybe it will, but, um, and can you just be with all of it? Can I, can I accept the the madness that that lives in the world and the cruelty and the distortion and yeah. and the pain and and the suffering and 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 understand that that is also inside me? I mean, there's nothing that's happening, nothing that Hamas did or anybody has done throughout history that's horrific and horrible. Um, and people would say what the Jews are doing now to that is not also in me that I could I could have done that. Right. And that's that to me is the humility that um, I mean, that's what I'm trying to teach people. Can you know yourself there? Yeah. Are you willing to know yourself there? It's like. I mean, just pay attention. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's from my acting days or just this is how I came into this world or my imagination. But like, I think of some fucked up shit that goes on in my mind. Like if someone wrongs me, like there's a thought, there's a pattern that comes in. And it's like, oh, you're osmos. OK. And I'm just like, that's interesting. Let me just let that, let me let that just kind of like simmer a bit, get to know it, see how it feels in my body. I don't act yeah. on it. That's the difference, yeah. Yeah. you know? But like, you have to know. And that's why I think I, I less like start looking out in the world and like, oh, all these evil people, everybody's evil. Like I'm, I'm in touch with the parts of me that are, yeah. that can do evil things. Of course. You know? So think, that's, that's the, that's the real deep inner work that I think needs to be done. And it's on an individual level. You know, everyone thinks like someone else is going to save them or a whole group of people are going to come together and change the world. It's like, change yourself. I know it's like right. cliche, but change yourself, do your work. There's a universe that lives within you. Get to know it, put your attention inwards. Everyone just wants to keep getting distracted with all the things that are happening outside of themselves. And it's like most of the shit they have no control over. You have and no yet, control over it. And yet, like you're standing on a two foot by two foot real estate, you like put the focus there first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's our message. And you can you can Good control message. you can control letting that trigger be your teacher. You know, that's right. Yeah. 
And it doesn't yeah. mean, I don't think, that doesn't mean like stick your head in the sand 100% and like have no clue what's happening and live in love and light land and bypass everything, like feel your shit. But I just, I just think there needs to be a little bit more balance there. And, and, um, you know, more people are becoming more open to it. That's the truth. People are seeing veils being lifted. They're like this world isn't what I thought it was. Is there more to life? You know, I want to have healthy relationships. I want to do work that inspires me uh, and that brings depth into the world. And, you know, it's it's nice to see, but we definitely, there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that um, so many people are being called to it. Like you guys are, are being called to it. I was called to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder, like, I wonder why, you know, it feels like there's some evolutionary force that, uh that is that is causing this to happen to know that we are we are upgrading our consciousness um we are going through something and that we need um teachers and guides and people yeah. doing the doing the work right now because i think that i mean it's already happening for me but i think in the next five ten years uh therapists are going to be very busy mm -hmm. um so I think that all this, all the the modalities that are going on, there's there's a reason that it's happening right now. It's not just a fad. It's 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 there to serve mm -hmm. something that I think is happening and something that's that's going to continue to happen. Yeah, and it's really strong, it's really cool too to see more and more people getting into somatic work and just understanding the importance. Yeah, of it. not just like hey, let me just sit on the couch and just regurgitate like the shit that's happened to me 24 seven over and over and over again weekly. And like, let's really get into the meat of it. Like let's feel feelings. Let's know what's happening on a sensation level in my body. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting. Well, it's amazing. Cause when I discovered this work back in, I mean, it was 2001, mm. uh, it, you know, there was an Instagram, <laughs> you know, and now it's so, and I, that's why, you know, I made this documentary about this work in like 2008 um, and put it out there and, uh, you know, a lot of people watched it, but it was still very weird for people. And I would talk about it and they're just like, what, what are you doing? Uh, but now it's everywhere. Like, it's amazing yeah. to me, you know, you just go on Instagram, you hear people talking about this, you know, the way they're articulating these concepts in such a beautiful way. So it's, it's, it's hit the mainstream or a certain level of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, yeah, that's amazing to me because 20 years ago, 15 years ago, Nobody was talking about this stuff. Yeah. Nobody understood it. And now it's everywhere. So it's, something's happening and it's it's great. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The education levels are are being elevated to just in understanding the physiology of the nervous system. Like, right. You know, every everyone now talks about fight, fight, flight, freeze, you know, like it's, 15, 20 years ago, I, I don't think that was the case. Well, it's, it's no. brand new, this whole nervous yeah. system arena, polyvagal theory. It's literally like a second old. It's true. All, well, all of this is is yeah. new. We're still we're yeah. you know at the beginning of understanding uh, how this all works. Well, the, I, I, it's so exciting to me, at least. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, me too. I love it. Yeah, and like in many ways, this was something that was picked off by Wilhelm Reich. You know, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. he was the original gangster. Uh, yeah, he was. He was a wild man, <laughs> but he was right about a lot of things. Yeah, and, and he was needed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, quite a quite a quite a guy. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's the, uh, the 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 forefather of the of the core energetics work. You know, went from Reich to Alexander Lowe to John Paracas, um, who founded Core Energetics. So this is the direct lineage right back to Reich, and 
a lot of the the the, the books that we had to read uh, in our studies were yeah books by Wilhelm Reich. Yeah. yeah. Do you do um just real quickly your groups are do you do co-ed both just men like both yeah okay. I do co-ed and and men's groups. Cool. Yeah, they're a little different. Obviously, men getting together, they talk less. <laughs> women, women, I had to learn that women need a little more talk. They process more through talking, yeah. and uh, and the men just kind of want to get to it, which is which is good. So, but I, I but I love working with both. I love the, the polarity in the groups is really interesting, especially now. There's so much uh, pain around uh, interpersonal relationships between men and women. So, like our mixed groups is a real opportunity to go to go mm -hmm. deep into into the places where men and women have really you know hurt each other and to and to really to reclaim that longing um, for 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 the union and the connection that's there. Awesome, man. Yeah, just a, a quick note. One quick note on that matrix discussion we were having. Like well, something that I carry with me, you know, is just like on some level, this is like a game I entered into for my own evolutionary process, you know. And there's no there's no growth without pain. So it's almost like that's what allows me to accept. Like the reality is that there are powers controlling, coercive, manipulative, psychopathic powers that exist at the same time as us having this discussion right now. Um, but like it's something that on some level, like. I chose. So how do I act in that regard? Um, well, I think it leads right back. If you chose it, then you're responsible. Yeah, that's right. For your experience. And, and you know, that this idea that we choose our parents, because I, I work with a lot of people that have a lot of trauma and they come in here yeah. and, and, and mm -hmm. one of the things you're trying to get them to do is... Uh, is feel their feelings towards their parents. Maybe, the, maybe their anger, maybe their rage, whatever it is. I mean, ultimately trying to get them to the pain, trying to get them to acceptance, to feel the grief of what they long for and didn't get. But you've got to take them through the anger first. And if they get stuck there, which which they can, because it's easy to stay stuck in the anger because it helps us avoid feeling our our pain. Um, I think that that model is really useful. Well, it's like, well, what if you chose your parents? What if this is the experience that you chose to have? And and once you give them that, then it's like, well, now you're choosing to stay stuck in this anger. Um, this is what you wanted. This is what you asked for. And I, I think that that's, yeah, I think that is a, I mean, what, is that true? I don't fucking know. I don't know how, yeah, how yeah. why we're here, Yeah. but it, it who cares? Like that's, I think an incredibly useful and empowering way to look at it. So, yeah. Yeah. Got to be tough for some people. Oh, for sure. Here, for especially sure. like, like it can be very gas, it can be very gaslighting for some people as well. You know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you they have to have permission to. You don't lead with that. No. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> welcome, you know? welcome. Just so you know, you chose your parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, Why did you choose to get molested as a child? That that's yeah. Obviously not. No, you yeah. People have a right to their feelings, and and they should express their feelings. It's it's only when they become attached, right? When mm -hmm. they're really stuck there and they're suffering there because of it, then you know. But obviously, that is a, that is a tough pill for people to swallow, and and sometimes you got to swallow the pill. <laughs> Life is fucking brutal. Yeah, man. It is. It is what it is, and we don't want to. We don't want to feel that. We don't want to face it. We're out. Like you know, it just even went on with Hamas. Like, can you believe that? I'm like, yeah, that shit's happening all the time. What? That's not. It's horrific, but it's that's what happens in war. This is this is not extraordinary. 
and uh it's tragic it's scary it's but it's not it's not extraordinary it's normal unfortunately let me ask you this question how did your acting community colleagues agents respond from you just walking from you walking away from this incredible incredible career in their eyes um right you had curated um well it's in some way it's their job to be supportive of me but i think they were a, a little confused my manager was certainly confused and i upset yeah and couldn't understand why i would you know waste you know all the capital that i'd built up to walk away and do something else um but i was passionate about it yeah and there was and they could feel that mm-hmm. and it's, it's the same passion irrational passion perhaps that got me to become an actor uh, was the same it was the same feeling that was getting me to do this this therapy so i was just following my life and so I had I had a lot of support and and one of the interesting things that happened to me though was after I'd been out of the game for a couple of years I went to this party it was like an Emmy party and there was a lot of celebrities there and a lot of people that I that I knew and I started talking to them hey man you know where where you been and I said I'm I'm out I'm, I, I took a turn. I'm doing something different now. And I was worried that the response was going to be at least unconsciously or or in their minds, they were thinking, oh, he couldn't hack it. But the response I got was, you got out? Wow. Good for you, man. Mm. And that's really surprised me. And And by the way, I got that response from some people who extraordinarily successful. You know, Oscar Emmy winning people who admired me for getting out of the game. And that blew me away and it changed my whole perspective on it. So I think there's a lot of people that are there that are trapped. And it's not just in Hollywood, it's all these kind yeah. of places. And 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 they yeah. want out, but they don't know how. So I was I was a a you know an inspiration for them. Yeah. It's like the golden handcuffs, you know, you get to a certain level of a of a career and you've built an identity around it and and then you realize you don't maybe this isn't what you want or doesn't feed your soul in the same way and it's just hard for people to to just be like i'm just gonna blow it all up and just say no to all the money and the success and the esteem that i get from my peers and go on this and continue on my hero's journey on this you know lonely path at times yeah it's hard it's hard it's also if you're i mean i was not i was a little famous Mm-hmm. But if you're really famous, you can't get out of it. You, there's no way out. You're famous for life, and yeah. I, I can. It limits your options. You, you there's just certain. You can't just go become a yeah. therapist or or take up some other yeah. pr- profession because like just be a regular person. That doesn't exist for you anymore. Um, like- fortunately for me. Um, you know, my level of fame. I mean, I still, it's still there, like, but people coming to my workshops because, you know, they were fans of mine or, or, which is fine. Um, but I, I thought at first when I got into it, that it was going to be helpful to me. It's like, oh, I got a little name recognition. So that'll help, you know, get the word out. But it, I think it's been the opposite. 
um, people don't trust that I'm Legit. know what I'm doing because I was, you know, an actor, an, an actor. Yeah. Which is fair enough. I probably would have thought that as well. Like he's some failed actor turned life coach. What is he a life coach now? <laughs> like, and then I was like, oh fuck, I got to deal with that yeah. perception. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, hear you. <laughs> I don't know. Much respect though, dude. I mean, much respect, like making that, that choice and that decision and, and just answering that inner call, you know, because again, many people wouldn't, they just keep grinding and what's the next thing, what's the next TV show I can be on. And you realize deep down, like, Hey, there's something else I want to, I want to feel into and, and experience like that. This chapter was great. Okay. Let's turn the page. But it's all, it, I, and I appreciate that. And people say that to me all the time, like that must've took courage. Good for you. But it was almost like, you know, you're, if you're married to somebody or you're with somebody and it, you're just, your dick doesn't get hard from them anymore and you're kind of out of love and then you leave the relationship. It's just, it, it, I had yeah. nothing. I get well. it. And yeah. so I was just following I mean, this is what I teach, and I don't say this is right for everybody, but yeah, like I said, I made that decision a long time ago. I was going to follow my intuition and, you know, almost uh, my own version of Michael Singer's surrender experiment, where he was going to mm -hmm. say yes to what whatever came into his life. And even if it he didn't prefer it, like he was going to set aside his preferences and just follow uh, wherever life took him. And it's just an incredible story. And yeah, I had that version of that. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to essentially do what I want to do. Yeah, I'm going to follow my excitement over and over and over again and not worry about money, not worry about where I live, not worry about anything other than that. I'm going to make that my God and trust. Yeah. I mean, preaching in the choir, man, this is a story of my life. Like, I was just like, this doesn't feel right. Let's do this. Let's let's yeah. quit this job. Let's travel around the world. Let's, you know, go here. And and then the path leads you, you know, there's one thing that leads to the next thing. Everything feeds off of everything. Um, I don't know. It was cool. Do you know uh, human design at all? Have you heard of human design? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, yeah. I've had a, a human design reading. Cool. That's the work that I, that I've done for like a, a decade, you know, I'm really into it. So, um, oh, keep thinking wow. about following your excitement and bliss. I wonder if you're a generator yeah. or a manifesting generator, you know, I'm a manifesting generator. I forget my, your profile. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to, uh, what is the sacral response? Mm -hmm. It's just oh, like, you're, you're, oh, so you're pure sacral, not emotional. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, uh, -uh mm -mm. like I'm just uh -huh. supposed to be yes or no. And so my girlfriend now she has, I've like trained her to ask me, you know, yeah. it's like, hey, do you want to? Yeah, no, you have to ask me. Do you want to do this? <laughs> uh, no, I don't actually want to do. That. And now yeah. she's totally fine. She's just yeah, like, yeah. want to rub my? Can you rub my feet? I'm like, no. Yeah, she just laughs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, what am I, I supposed to do, baby? Go against my sacral? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I tell people that all the time. Like, if you're with a partner that's a generator and there's pure sacral, like, ask them these like yes or no questions. You know, it really helps. So yeah, it's cool. I was one. I was just wondering. And then when you said some some phrases, I was like, it aligns. And another thing with being in the manifesting generator, you're really carving your own path. And right, there else people call it like the multi passionate too, where it's like once you're done with something, and you can honor that, you just you you just go to the next thing. You know, you don't know where it's going to take you. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's part of the journey. So I think that's why he was able to walk away, you know? Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that's true. No, it helped me a lot. I The reading that I got, my I work with this woman, Angela I, and we do workshops together and we're very close and she's deep into, cool. into it. So I get a lot from her. But yeah, the reading I got from this dude, Alok, the Spanish guy, um, Alok, uh, 
Alaconda Diaz, I think his name is. I guess cool. he's an old, old school dude. But yeah, it it I go back to that often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I learned a lot about myself from that reading. Cool. It's crazy. Awesome. That whole story is crazy. Of, about of how, how it they, came about? How it came about. Oh, yeah, it's wild. This is where it's like, like I'm a skeptical person, but then at the same time, like I'm really open. And then you see the proof is in the pudding. This has lasted 30 something, you know, what, 1987. So, you know, almost 40 years and it's impacting people's lives. You're like, fuck it. I don't know. A voice came to a dude and let's but see. But just did, like the, the die, like where did this, <laughs> how could one person conceive that they couldn't it had to come through from some other some other source dimension whatever i mean we don't know anything i mean this harkens back to our initial discussion about the rational and the irrational right right yeah exactly yeah yeah it's so it's so interesting it's It's so so cool yeah Mm -hmm. these are cool tools you know to like just just add a little bit more of a you know understanding of yourself and something we say often like stake your flag in the ground even more it's like you just get affirmed right oh, this lands, this really resonates. And and you just kind of own yourself even more. Yeah. How did you two come together? Um, well, we came together in early 2021. My wife and I were interviewed on the Unslaved podcast with Michael Tazarian and David Whitehead um, talking about awakening somatic intelligence because uh, mm. my, my, wife, my wife got her PhD in depth psychology with an emphasis in somatic studies at Pacifica Graduate Institute. And um, so we were into this work, body work, blah, 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 you know. And so uh, we were talking about that March 2020. And then May 2020, we went back on. And then Joel's in a fan of Michael's work. He's gone through his mystery school. Uh-huh. And and he saw our episode and, you know, talking about things like even we're talking about here, you know, just the importance. Well, it, was, it, was, it was the body as the shadow. You know, that's what yeah. really drew me. Right, right. Yeah. The body as the shadow, yeah. Yeah. And then Amazing. he hit me up on Instagram and I was like, who's this dude? Like, he seemed really involved with like the freedom community in Sydney. And he's a conscious hip hop artist and into a lot of cool stuff. And we just, we hit it off from day one. And we had a few exchanges on Instagram. And then we got on Zoom just to meet each other. And then a week later, we got on Zoom and we pressed record. And we're, and we're like, let's, because we both wanted to start a podcast. We right. pressed record and talked about this episode one. What does it mean to walk an authentic path? And we shared our stories. And then we did a part two. And then, and then we're like, let's have guests on. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know and, and here we are 144 episodes later and wow. you know, we've grown a lot over the last i guess two two and a half years and uh yeah it's been a gift i mean we grew and up from that we grew our group coaching program and our membership community and you know we're just doing our thing and want to inspire people to really step into the person they were born to be you know this is where human design comes into it and other things that we're into and and uh you know just integrating things that we've learned that have inspired us, uh, helping people deprogram from disempowering philosophies and uh, yeah. fill them up with more empowering philosophies. Again, the stuff we're talking about today. And so that's our journey. We're bros, uh, business partners. Like I love, <laughs> he's, he's, he, uh, got the utmost respect for Joel and what he does and what he stands for. Um, so here we are. That's a know. great, that's a great story. Well, yeah, no, you guys have a great vibe and, um, I, very authentic, very, I, I feel your good intentions. So it's, it's nice. I'm glad you Thanks, guys man. are out there doing, doing the work that you're doing, adding Thanks, to man. this, uh, this whole thing. I mean, we, we, we're both pure generators, straight generators. And, you know, mm. for us, it's just like, does this feel good? Does it not feel good? You know, <laughs> it, right, it, kept, yeah. it kept feeling good. So we keep going. Yeah. Emotional, <laughs> yeah. authority, emotional authorities though. So we still have to filter it through and maybe wait a little bit and feel into things and get to some emotional clarity, even though we have the sacral, we have the emotional authority. Interesting. So it's, 
it's kind of like giving ourselves times. Like the sacral has more knowing truth in the now. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. emotional authority, which is about 50% of the population, they, you know, they need to give themselves times before making, you know, making important decisions. Right, right. Every uh, problem I have in my life is, is, um, yeah, betraying myself, not trusting my sacred response or not listening to it or not even being aware of it. So it's a, it, that's my whole practice now. It's like, I, yeah. I, I have to slow myself to what am I actually, yeah. and, and, and not worry about the, the quote unquote rationality. What's the right decision? Like making to-do lists of, well, what are the pros? What are the cons? Whatever. You know, it's like, no, just gut. Yeah. And like you could do that, but ultimately the ultimate arbiter is much more intuitive. And obviously each person, depending on their authority, has a specific in, intuition, you know, sacral, feeling clarity, you know, and to honor that. I mean, my wife now, she knows like if she has plans for something and maybe I was going to be a part of it, but in the moment or like the day before, I'm like, I'm not really mm-hmm. feeling like going. She She's not like, but you said you were going to come or we're, we made plans. Like she just honors me for that. And, and I'm like, no, I'm going to stay home. Okay, cool. I'll see you later. That's yeah. great. Well, life becomes really easy when it's just a yes or a no. Yeah. Um, life life becomes easy when we honor each other as unique individuals. Well, there's you know? that too. Yeah. yeah. It's like no one's built the same. No one's designed the mm-hmm. same. And if we can just mm-hmm. stop projecting that, someone else has to act, think, behave, choose, decide like us. Right. And realize right. that, you know, it's it, man. And this this is like a individualism versus collectivism 101. You know, like we're all we're all individuals. Yeah. 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 We're all individuals. Sovereign. Yeah, that's yeah. it. David, who's the most famous person's contact you have in your phone right now? <laughs> well, probably Andrew Tate. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Yeah, true, true. Uh, yeah. Awesome, I'm, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. Who else do I got? Who's, I got a few others. Second, second most. <laughs> um, I guess who? Matthew Modine. Oh, nice. Classic. Mm-hmm. I work with him. Uh, he's on um, Stranger Things. Oh. Yes, full, full Metal Jacket. Okay. Why am I forgetting the, the movie that when he was the wrestler? Um, uh, Vision Quest. Yeah, Vision Quest. My wrestling coach like fucking played that before like one of our really big meets, you know, like the final scene. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah that yeah. dude is awesome. I mean, I did his TV series with him. That guy is phenomenal. I mean, he was a huge star back in the day. Every oh, yeah. every movie star I've ever worked with, um, it, it. I mean, I say this to people: the, the power that they have is just—it's unbelievable. Like, there's something, there's there's some aura. They're just, yeah, they're gifted. There's there's something, but Modine, he just fucking blew me away. The presence. There's a presence. It's something yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, really appreciate you, um, you know, sharing some time with us and having this dialogue. Uh, yeah, it was great. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. It's good to talk to you guys. And yeah, uh, yeah thanks for having me on. For yeah, sure, where, man. Where, where, yeah. Where's the best place where? to direct our audience in terms of getting <laughs> contact with you, you know, or work with you or follow yeah. you? Um, well, just my website, it's all there, davidsutcliffe.com. And you can find all my social media stuff there and information about my workshops and coaching and 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 different things that i'm doing but uh yeah cool. davidsuckliff.com awesome, awesome man and when this comes out you're gonna send it to andrew tate and matthew modine or <laughs> hilarious <laughs> if i'm gonna reach out to tate i better i gotta this might be a good one yeah this is a good yeah. sick cool. yeah. david it's not it's been an honor God bless man, you guys. i've loved this everyone else thanks for listening take care guys yeah.
Thank you. Later. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward and never.